Michael Bell will join us at the top of the hour. Michael Bell, one of the most prolific voice actors in film and TV animation. We hope to stay tuned. In the meantime, with the holidays soon upon us, we will shift gears for the rest of this hour and bring you part two of Greg Airbar's conversation with Roberta Levitel. Roberta Levitel, daughter of Abe Levitel, director of the animated classic Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. In the case of Gay Paris and any of the Magoo things, including Christmas Carol, when you were growing up, did you see these things when they premiered? Did you look? Yeah, what sure. were those experiences like? You know, we were kids. So we didn't appreciate it. <laughs> It's like, it's just you know, dad's job. It's dad's job. I mean, we were kind of excited because dad's job was on TV and TV was cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yes, we were excited. I don't think we completely, well, we didn't. How could we? We yeah. didn't understand the context, why it was special. You know, Daryl has been, we call him the divine Daryl. He helped us see what our dad had done and what it meant in time. And so he gave us very different eyes to look back on it. So, yes, of course, you know, it was like dad stuff's on TV tonight and we would watch it and sit together as a family and um, didn't understand what it meant to him or what it meant to the larger, you know, first TV special. I don't know. We didn't know what that meant. And we loved it, and it was such a treat to talk to him about it. And then we watch it, of course, if, when it was repeated during the years when the Christmas Carol was repeated. And I remember sitting next to him, an apocryphal moment for me, sitting next to him at one point and noticing that the rain didn't fall in continuity from one cut ah. to the next. And I mentioned it. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, he... He was not angry. He was like, oh, that's very observant of you. And I thought, I'm going to be a director when I grow up. Because <laughs> I noticed the rain didn't fall. One thing about Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, and it, it's unique among almost any version I can think of off the top of my head, and the fact that you are so lifelong devoted to theater, is that that particular adaptation is unabashedly stage-driven, that you see the yeah. stage, and that became the series, the famous adventures of Mr. Magoo, that he was always performing. You had a, a frame at the beginning, at the end, at the station breaks, you saw the set. Which was brilliant. Right. So who, yeah. who knew, you know? <laughs> I know. I think that's really fun. I mean, our family went to the theater a lot. We grew up in L.A., of course. I had tickets to the Mark Taper Forum, and so my parents were always going to the theater. My dad worked at the Northridge Theater Guild, building sets at one point in his life. So he really enjoyed the theater himself, and I think it was a super smart conceit to try to imagine why was this particular character in this particular story mm -hmm. that it had a convention and that was why and gave permission to the songs being the songs and it was really smart and reflected a lot of his love for theater i think and it was a brilliant way to also combine the magoo you knew at the beginning and the end causing the calamities through his uh -huh. wackiness but not during the performance because he was a professional Right. But we still got the Magoo at the beginning and the end, so you got the best of both. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's a classic, and I think that a lot of people still, when you 
look at people's top 10 lists even today it's still up there and it, it does get rerun once in a while and i for years have been saying to whoever will talk somebody should mount this thing on the stage there was an oratorio but someone should do a if not a soundtrack if they can't find the track but to do a cast album the world premiere recording something that mm, that just brings yeah. it back to the fore well you know um the jewel stein i forget they're called Jules Stein Office or something. Um, we, we for many when when Daryl was doing the book, he and I happened to be in New York at the same time, and we just barged in on, <laughs> on the Classic Media. Literally, I said, "Let's just go walk over there." So we walked over to Classic Media, which owned mm, the rights at the time, and we walked over to the Jules Stein Building, the office, uh, and and just knocked on the door, and uh, we met Joseph Weiss, who was at the time, the manager of the um, estate. And uh, Joseph also felt that way. He really wished there had been a stage production. He was always hoping there could be a really high-level concert presentation in New York. And he kind of tried through what contacts he had. And me being a person of the theater, that was early on, you know, a young, completely, in a, I, I had no position from which to to make that happen but i was like oh there should be on stage who would play mr magoo <laughs> when i was at bennington i talked it up with one of my fellow teachers who actually wanted to play mr magoo he was like that's always been my dream i want to play mr magoo in a christmas carol on stage so i you know yes everybody's talked about it i what i remember was finding out that the rights were really complicated. Ah, that's usually the case, yeah. Yeah, that, it, that the it. ownership was tucked into somebody in a way that did not make it easy. But I think Joseph said that there had been an attempt to actually do a draft and present it to the Stein estate. Um, well, you never know, yeah. though, because Classic Media was bought by DreamWorks, which was bought by Universal, and I'm involved in the new Rankin-Bass DVD set that just came out. They asked me to do a commentary on one of the specials, and they did a documentary, and it was like, they don't do bonus features anymore, because generally... They don't think that's worth the money, but Universal has some of their execs, apparently, now that they've bought these properties, a few of them do realize there's some value to them and that mm. there, is a, there is a cachet there and that they should probably sustain that. So they own it now. So maybe these mm. all has to do with the decision makers, if they get it or not, you know, <laughs> it's always the same. Right. Find someone who gets it. And I was shocked. I was stunned because each time they reissue those specials, they usually put children's activities or things like that in for the bonus features. This was like they had John Favreau and people like that on there. And it's like, wow, mm. really? they went to this much trouble. So right. maybe they'll look at Magoo differently in the next round, possibly. Yeah, maybe they will. I mean, we've over the years, you know, collected who loves Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Chris Rock talks about how much he loved it. Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick play it every year for their kids, you know. So there are a number of celebrities who, they're not my best friends, but, you know, I do think that if they were going to turn it into a property that, was going to happen on a professional level. There would be Molly Ringwald, I know, showed up at the screenings that Daryl did and talked about how it was her family's favorite film. So there are people who could elevate it, I think, and maybe even be in it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's what I was finding on this thing is that they got these directors and producers from today talking about how Rankin-Bass affected them and how it inspired them. Rather than being a retrospective, it was more of a forward-moving kind of thing. So if that's the approach... And, that, right. and if that works for them, maybe they'll look at the next things and say, well, maybe we'll take the next step. And who knows? You never really know. I never say never. Yeah, that's right. You never say never. And sometimes it has to be long enough away that it's special again to, to pay attention to it. It's a beautiful retelling of the story. It really is. And very touching. And very faithful. You read the book and it's yeah. very, very close. A lot of people uh -huh. don't give it the credit for that either. It's like the, uh -huh. the words are treated with a lot of respect. Not yeah. Every version does that. That's true. All I know is we quote it constantly around the house. <laughs> <laughs> you do? Oh, yes. <laughs> what are some of your favorite quotes from it? Oh, the founder of the feast indeed. I wish I had him here. I give him a thing or two to feast upon on. And the other one is, uh, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? <laughs> <laughs> and certainly God bless us, everyone. Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. And we know lots of people like those people who are despicable. Lots of people like that. That's right. Oh, my gosh. We, we siblings love to sing the despicable song. <laughs> <laughs> it's just every single bit of that. You know, it's what I said in the commentary about the uh, Santa Claus is coming to town special. Those specials were great, like Magoo, was because they were 99% fat-free. Now, the second was wasted. Everything was there for a reason. They were timed oh. perfectly, and that's why they hold up so well, because they were great storytelling, the best music, the best casts. And people would get hung up on, well, the animation's not fluid. Well, you know, there's yeah. a lot of lousy movies and, and TV shows where the animation's fluid. <laughs> so what? Right. And I guess that's a contextual thing, too. You know, you as a historian, and we learned a little bit more about that with Daryl, you know, what changes were going on in, at UPA and why. And that was interesting. There were changes that were going on in the animation world in terms of just the expense yes. of doing those kinds of films. And so they were going for a shorter, less expensive way of making films. But what they proved, especially in those early days of figuring out how to do those specials and series with animation, is you could do really, really well with less if you had the talent and you took the time yeah. to do it right and were left to your devices to do it. And it's still proven nowadays, too, here and there. And these things hold up. You know, we were looking at Frosty the Snowman. That's another one. It's like very basic animation, very little, very limited, very low budget. Was, didn't have the money. But look mm -hmm. at the design. Look at the color selection. Look at the lineage. You know, the, all of mm. that is there, and that's artistry as well. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the heart mm -hmm. and, the, and the art. The heart yeah. and the art. You can quote me. Yeah. You're listening to Greg Airbar's conversation with Roberta Levitel. Roberta Levitel, daughter of Abe Levitel, director of the animated classic Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol Calendar Year. 2019 is the 70th anniversary of the debut of Mr. Magoo. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll play the rest of Greg's conversation with Roberta here on TV Confidential. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. 
Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800 296 1251. 800 296 1251. 800 296 1251. That's 800-296-1251. Hi, this is Rhonda Shear, and you're staying up all night or day with TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. Uber is the mobile app that connects you with a driver for immediate transportation. Request a ride at the tap of a button and you have a driver curbside in minutes. You can choose to be driven in a black car, SUV, or you can choose UberX, the low-cost Uber for a ride in a hybrid or mid-range car. Payment is seamless and cashless. Build to your card on file with no need to tip. Enter the promo code TVCONFIDENTIAL after you download the app to receive a free first ride up to $20. For more information, go to get.uber.com forward slash go forward slash TV Confidential. Hi, this is Robert Glassy. You're listening to TV Confidential. And Robert, with a reminder that Michael Bell will join us at the top of the air. Michael Bell, one of the most prolific voice artists in film and TV animation over the past four years. Decade. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, with the holidays upon us, we are bringing you part two of Greg Airbar's conversation with Roberta Levitau. Roberta Levitau, daughter of Abe Levitau, director of the animated classic Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, and an accomplished director, performer, and teacher in her own right. One of the co-founders of Theaters Without Borders, Roberta Levitau has also released two albums, the most recent of which, Lost in the Stars, features Roberta's renditions of his classic songs as God Save the Child, A Fool Such as I, and the title track, Lost in the Stars, plus songs from some of the animated musicals that her father directed, including Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Lost in the Stars is available at CD Baby. You can also find it at iTunes, Amazon.com, and wherever music 
is sold. Now, your husband, he is a blues and folk singer, and he comes from a long line of musicians and that sort of thing. And you have this extraordinary kind of international, global outreach program with theater. Yes. It's fascinating. Yeah, you know, both my work with Theater Without Borders and this work I do with the Sundance Institute as an international person with their theater program started in 2000, 2001, and I was teaching at Bennington College. I was teaching theater. I had taught at UCLA for a decade, and then at some point I shifted to join, not full-time. I would fly out and do seven-week intensives because a friend of mine was the dean of college, and I just got really interested in world theater. I hadn't Nothing like being <laughs> in an isolated college in rural Vermont to um, kind of open up some different ways of looking at things. And I, I got interested in world theater, and it led me to a workshop, to lead a workshop in Nairobi, Kenya in 2001. That just started a, a whole personal transformation. I was 50 years old, and I was looking for kind of a new perspective on things and suddenly I was halfway around the world meeting all these new people in a totally different context and it was so refreshing I got very excited about it and then when I came back to the United States it was a really tough time in this country we were at war in 2003 and there was a sense of increasing isolation and I had along with some theater colleagues just been doing these international projects and feeling excited about them. And I think the dominant thought we had was, let's not lose connection with our colleagues, no matter what the political stress is. Let's be a place like Doctors Without Borders, where politics is not the first question. Just your love for this art form. If you love this art form, we want to talk to each other. And it was an amazingly powerful mechanism, I think, thanks to Doctors Without Borders, really, because the concept, Theater Without Borders, meant a lot to people all around the world. And we almost immediately started receiving inquiries from Sierra Leone and Iran and South America, and people just started reaching out to us, and they seemed to feel the same way. It's like, we love theater. We want to keep talking about theater, no matter how tense things are in the world. So that's been a motivation for us, and it's all volunteer. Theater Without Borders is all volunteer. Everybody who's involved just donates because they want to make sure that there's some way that we can keep talking to each other, artist to artist, person to person, no matter what's going on in global politics. Maybe that's um, where the true change can come. It isn't going to come from people just posturing and having agendas. It's going to come from... I always feel like true change comes from the ordinary folk, you know, way down there until it bubbles up to the decision makers way up top because they're not really aware of what's going on right. down there. And they're also sometimes confused by the toadies that give them the wrong information, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. things uh -huh. like this come from grassroots, come from people, come from art, come from song. If you look at the history of humans, it's always sort of come up from that and then it's reached a point where change came that the big changes came from little things yeah exactly yeah i think that's been very motivating for us over the past well how many now then it's over 15 years and it is motivating for my work where i actually have a bit of a mini day job um <laughs> to keep doing it on any level i can just keep people talking to each other 
it's so humanizing when you spend time with one another. You have meals together. You take walks together. You work in a room together. All that stuff that people talk about it. Sometimes we take it for granted a little bit because when we're doing it in familiar contexts, it's just natural. It's what you should do. Of course, we work together, and that's how we can accomplish things. But that simple notion becomes really sometimes challenging but so profound when you're doing it across borders, various kinds of borders. It's endlessly motivating to all of us who are part of the network because we can feel what happens when we're in the room together or when we reach out, even through Skype and telephone. This is one of the beauties of the Internet, and I agree that there's many, many dangers of it as well, but... I have experienced through this website and through other mechanisms the power of it and the very positive power to link people through time and distance mm -hmm. uh, and true. then to be able to create together even meeting places, whether they're virtual or they're real, and then they become real. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, somebody at one point came from the NEA. There were people who came from the NEA to one of our early theater with our border gatherings, and she was so excited, and she said, it's public diplomacy. <laughs> <laughs> By which she meant that, just what you're saying. It's public diplomacy. This is what we need. We need the public to do this. Yeah. She just want to do it themselves. Yeah, yeah, maybe people don't realize just how much they can do because there's almost this machine-like incentive to convince people that it's not for them to do mm -hmm. by larger entities. It lets us do it. We know what we're doing. But when you peel back the onion of a lot of those let us do it organizations, they don't know how to do it any better than we do. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. And, and it's the human connection. It never stops inspiring me and reminding me how much we have in common when suddenly I'm there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've made the effort to get on that airplane and fly for 20 hours. And when I actually get off and I'm in a room with individuals, I was just in Bahrain mm -hmm. attending a theater festival there in September. And my workshop, which just became a little love fest, of all of us who were so happy to be meeting each other, included artists from Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and Egypt and Bahrain. And I just can't stop thinking about what swell people they were, you know. And hopefully they felt that way about me, and I think they did. And I think it's really important for Americans to get out. Because oftentimes, I have to say, people have said, I've never met an American like you. Well, Which, see, that's the thing is that they don't know because they only know what they've heard. And when they meet a person, it's like, wow, you're not at all what I thought. Right. Exactly. It's super important for us to get out. As a nation, we're just lovely people, really. I mean, we're people. And we're lovely people. You know, we're warm, uh, to generalize. We're a, a warm and open people. We speak directly. We speak openly and warmly. And that's something that people just don't get from their news about us. You know, so, no, yeah. I think by and large, a lot of people simply want to share what they know and what they can do. And it's not always easy to find an avenue for that. Even on the Internet, you don't know where to begin and you could go in the wrong direction and waste your time. That's right. That's so, right. And, you know, that's actually what I was doing when I was in Bahrain. That's exactly what my assignment was. The U.S. Embassy brought me over there and the festival asked me to just share with people what are the resources for them on the Internet that they can have confidence are safe, good international networks for them to join? 
And people afterwards were like, thank you so much. Now we know you and we trust you. And you told us that this group is a good group for us to be in touch with. They felt that same anxiety. Who's out there? We don't know who to contact, how to be connected. Is this community and is the art and the theater that you do, is it multilingual? How does everybody talk? That's a fun question because it, of course, depends on the context. The first workshop that I did in Kenya there were people from three different countries, Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. Tanzania is a Kiswahili-speaking country. They speak that language and not others. And then Uganda and Kenya are very much English-speaking countries. So we actually had 15 members of the workshop, and half the group would communicate in Kiswahili, and we would have to translate, and half the group would communicate in English which I could understand. <laughs> and then we had what we figured out was over 11 mother tongues, meaning the ethnic communities that people came from, just sitting in the room. Mm -hmm. So out of the 15, there were 11 different language groups that people came from. So it really depends. I've been in situations where some of us are sitting in a little group whispering in French. Sundance is now working with Arabic language theater, so we have... Some people, like the woman who manages our program, is multilingual. She speaks French, Arabic, and English fluently. And so sometimes we're <laughs> in situations where there's multiple languages going on. I watch a lot of theater in languages I don't understand. At the festival in Bahrain, there was Arabic language theater, Armenian language theater, Russian language theater, English language theater, and German. Wow. You get used to it in a way because, you know, it's a medium a little bit like music. When mm -hmm. you listen to That's true. music in different languages, you, there's a part of you that lets the language wash over you and you just enjoy it for yeah. the level on which you can experience it. Yeah, I think that in a lot of ways you can fill in the blanks, especially if you do know context. There's always uh -huh. going to be things that don't make sense. But, yeah, the longer that you get used to that and the more you learn, it's just like everything else. But it must be a phenomenal feeling to be involved in that. That sounds incredible. It's pretty special, and I'm very grateful for some astounding experiences over the past 15-some years. So if people want to get involved with this, they can go to the website and see. They can, anybody. The Sundance program, you know probably the film festival and their film development programs, and the theater development program works. It's highly selective, so there are online for Sundance applications for all the theater labs. You can find it online, sundance.org slash theater, I think. Um, anybody can submit but it is a selective process. But Theater Without Borders is the opposite of that. It is completely arms open to anyone at any time in their career. We've been contacted by students, by amateurs, by professionals, by just people at any level. Anybody who's interested, uh, I answer, I personally answer the emails that come into info at we make connections. We just say, oh, if you're interested in that, maybe you want to know some people in India because you're on your way to study theater in India. Well, here's some names, and we can make a few introductions. So we try to connect people as well as inform people, and it's open to anybody. It's completely free. That's really important. It's free to anybody. All the new opportunities that we learn about are posted on the Facebook page as well as on the website. Wow, there's a whole world. You know, that's kind of a nice thing that you said this was a point in my life where I'm looking for something. 
what is that thing going to be? And then this thing came along. I mean, you had done theater for years, you'd taught, but this is, I mean, literally a world open to you. The world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. And it, it's and so nice to be able to connect with people who are hungry for the information and grateful for it when you've probably spent many years, not just your sister, but seeing eyes roll in classrooms and with <laughs> with audiences. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, because there's a jaded quality, especially in our day and age when everybody's just seen and done everything. There's so much media now that it's hard yeah. to impress. And sometimes simplicity is the most exquisite thing. Yeah. Well, this has been such a joy. I had a feeling when I heard you sing that you'd be wonderful to talk to. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Greg. I truly appreciate that you found the CD and that you were so kind in your comments about it and that you're speaking about it because well, that means that we speak about my dad and that always makes me happy. Lost in the Stars is available at CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon, and wherever music is sold. Greg will be back on the other side of the break as we welcome Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most prolific voice actors in film and TV animation. We will also pay tribute to Carol Spinney, the Muppets puppeteer who played Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch on Sesame Street. Plus, we'll bring you something different as we tell you about an exciting event coming up in January in San Francisco. All that more coming up in hour number two of TV Con. Stay with us. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Michelle Nichols. Adrienne Barbeau. Leonard Maltin. Joyce Bullison. Peter Onorati. Judy Norton. Robert Wagner. Robert Hook. Lee Purcell. Julie Bud. Rhonda Shear. Michelle Lee. Jacqueline Smith. Lou Antonio. Shirley Jones. And many, many more of your favorite celebrities and people behind the scenes in the world of television. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Become a TV Confidential confidant and receive unlimited access to the last five years of TV Confidential, plus other members-only content. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a Confidant. Enter the coupon code CONFIDENTIAL when you sign up, and you'll receive $5 off your first month's membership. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a confidant. You can listen to this show all over again as a podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, TuneIn, Apple Podcast, and wherever podcasts are found. Best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the TV Confidential Podcast, go to the homepage at televisionconfidential.com and click subscribe now. One more, Adam. The Innovators Global Summit is a two-day event coming up in San Francisco that will shed light on the work of physician innovators all over the world who are doing their part to affect change in healthcare. While physicians are considered the scientific leaders in healthcare, they aren't always recognized for their efforts pushing for change and improvement in healthcare. And yet many physician innovators are doing some amazing things related to healthcare in different areas all around the world. The inaugural Innovation MD Global Summit 2020 will be held January 11th and January 12th at UCSF Mission Bay in San Francisco, very close to the waterfront. It will showcase the work of physician innovators and hopefully inspire others to learn and ignite innovation in healthcare. To register for the Innovator Global Summit 2020, go to IGS2020.com, 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 IGS2020.com. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, 
Play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.